you know, it's it's heartbreaking when you're trying to pull like pull your or, or pour yourself into a sport and try and you know get be a winner and and get better times and things like that, and then you're just not eating enough and you can't get. Welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. I'm really excited for today's episode. It is our second episode of the, uh, we could call it a mini-series, I suppose, chatting about the epic adventure that was put on by Falke Sports, where women ran from Boston to New York. And we did chat with Marie a few weeks ago about her experience. And today, we talked to Liz Hogan, who is one of the youngest members of the group, I think actually the youngest member. She's fresh out of university where she ran track and jumped into the trails, into long distance stuff and got to do this 11 day adventure that was more than an ultra a day. And she completed all of the miles and was a total breath of fresh air. She is so inspiring and just has great energy and a really great outlook. Um, We talk a lot about the fuel that is needed to do this type of running, especially coming so quickly from the kind of track university experience where cutting calories seems to be a big part of it. So it was really nice to hear her take and how she figured it out so quickly what it takes for your body to do this type of thing. And I think that just shows such promise for the sport in the future that if women younger and younger can kind of get a grasp on fueling and I mean, not just fueling, it goes deeper than that. Like just feeding your body properly and sort of change the mindset on that. I think um, Liz is a great example of how this type of outlook is changing. And it made me really excited to chat with her. She's also just a lot of fun. We got to hear about the biggest mental challenges and the biggest physical challenges of doing this type of adventure, how much time they actually had to prepare and the ins and outs of it. And then a bit about her career. I think that's all I'll say. I'll let Liz tell the rest of her story. If you want to find more from me, uh, you can find me on Instagram at hillsport55. If you would like a backlog of the episodes, you can find them on the Patreon. And that link is in my bio as well. And we are, we're in March. So it's spring. So I hope everybody is getting ready for race season and excited to get out there and in a place where the snow is melting. I am excited for that. I mean, I still have a few weeks to go before a road marathon, but I'm dreaming of warm, hot trails and being uncomfortably hot and thirsty really soon. So I wish the same to you. Okay, enough of that. Here is Liz. Today, we are talking to Liz Hogan, who might be the youngest member. Is that true? That is true. All right. Well, I'm so excited to get into your story and you look like an absolutely amazing runner as well. So we'll get into your adventure as well as your life in general. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, so let's get a bit of a background to start. Um, why don't you tell us where you are from and how you started running? Yeah, so I grew up in Louisville, Colorado, um, little little town outside of Boulder. I started running when I was in elementary school, just kind of on the side. I was actually a soccer player, and then. Um, my siblings started running in high school and then that's how I got into it. Um, so I ran in high school and then wanted to keep competing. So I, I ran in college at Gonzaga university, um, and graduated in, in May. So I'm a fresh grad and, um, wasn't really sure what to do after, (laughs) after finishing racing. I had been doing that for so long. 
Um, and so decided to kind of try out the ultra scene and have been enjoying trail running for the last eight months or so. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you were like fresh off the uh, university train. That is so much fun. Yeah, I'm fresh. <laughs> we talk to so many people who kind of have that same like progression, but usually you would end up maybe doing marathons for a while and then eventually like dabbling your toes, but you definitely went head first. Um, so let's get some background on your college experience. What distances were you running? I did uh, 5K and, and steeplechase and track, and then I did cross country as well. So 5K or 6K there. Steeplechase. That's sweet. That's like the yep. jumping Jumping one. over the hurdles and over water and everything like that. So <laughs> Okay. Okay. So that's cool. So that actually makes sense to go into trail running from that kind of, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I grew up trail running just kind of being in Boulder, uh, kind of a mecca of, of trails and trail running here. So um, it wasn't foreign to me. I knew that I always enjoyed it and being in the mountains and everything. So um, that's kind of why I, I decided to, to dive in after graduation. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but the other cool part of that is that you didn't need a break mentally. Some people after a college sport especially can feel so kind of overwhelmed and so much pressure that it's hard to find the joy in running right after. Yeah. Well, I think I, I did a little bit, um, just with track, I, I didn't love track just because it was intense and the training was intense and just a lot of miles and everything, but I do love being in the mountains and love being on trails and find it to be a lot more fun. So I think that was kind of my mental break is I was like, okay, I don't need to run roads anymore, do track workouts. I can just go up in the hills and walk if I want to, because that's part of the whole, the whole trail scene. So totally. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So this adventure that you guys went on, uh, was pretty amazing. And I think kind of the most interesting part is that you guys didn't really know each other beforehand. So talk us through how you were recruited for it and what that experience was like. Yeah. So I think, I I don't know how it popped up on my Instagram, but there was like an Instagram ad for Falke that popped up and I just kind of looked into it and saw that it was this kind of crazy adventure. So I messaged them and I was like, how do I apply for this? Um, and, you know, went through an interview process and um, figured out like a month and a half later that I was one of the six ladies that were selected. Um, so, yeah, we, I had really had no idea what I was getting myself into. There was just a short video on Instagram that um, I saw and I, I knew it was like a, a big thing, obviously. Um, but yeah, just kind of uh, messaged them. And then once I knew that I was selected, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, how much time between being selected and the actual start of this did you have to prepare? Gosh, I think, uh, I can't remember exactly how much time it was, but I think I figured out in, in August that I was selected. And then um, it started in mid-October. So um, obviously I, I had been doing a lot of longer runs throughout the summer. So I knew that I could handle the mileage, um, but it was mostly just getting mentally prepared for, you know, that many days in a row of, of that many miles. 
Yeah, for sure. And we're going to get more into that mental side. But let's, for the people who maybe didn't hear the first episode, how far and what type of terrain were you running each day? Yeah, so I think it was an average of 31 miles a day for 11 days. Um, The first five days were on road. um, And then we got onto the Appalachian Trail. And um, so there was a a lot of vert added into that as well. And we were going on the Appalachian Trail for the next four, four and a half days. Um, So it was a mix of, of road and trail, but it was just long, especially on those trail days when, um, you know, you can't move very fast on those trails. So we were out all day long. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm in the Pacific Northwest and it's very similar where it's just like technical, rooty, muddy, steep. So there's just yep. only one speed that you can go no matter how good of a runner you are. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so, but also that many days in a row of road is quite, um, a lot of pounding on your body. Did you have any injuries or anything pop up during those first days? Yes, I was in, I was in a lot of pain actually. (laughs) Um, But I think that, I think that that's where it came from uh, was the road. Um, Cause I think that if it had been all on trail, I would have been able to, you know, handle the mileage just on the softer surface. But with the first five days being on road, um, I guess we didn't, well, yeah, I guess I didn't realize until day five that that was um, going to hurt so bad. <laughs> so um, on day five, actually, I had um, it basically my my legs started to fall apart. My hamstrings and my quads just basically felt like they were they were tearing every step that I took, mostly on downhill, yeah. um, which was super unfortunate because then, you know, we're getting onto the Appalachian Trail at that point you know, you're trying to maybe make up some time on that downhill, but I just, I had to, to walk a lot of the downhill cause I, um, my legs just couldn't handle it at that point. Um, but yeah, I do think that it came from, from the road, the first, the first four and a half, five days. Yeah. I think it's also like, it's, no one really knows because we would never train on road that much because it's just not as fun either. Right. <laughs> I had an experience where I ran 100 miles on road for this fundraiser thing I was doing as well. And the blisters were different and the same type of pain that you're describing where just the impact was so hard. And then I can remember afterwards when sort of the adrenaline went away, being in bed and just starting to scream because yep. the pain was coming. And I was like, oh my God, like fearing what I'd done for my future. Yeah. Well, that was... That was um that was hard mentally because on day, day five and six were my hardest days. Um, just cause that's when the pain really started to settle in, just like being very sore, obviously the pounding on the road. Um, and you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, if I don't take, you know, a day off or, you know, cut off some of the, some of these miles, like sit out, half a day or something, then am I going to be doing long-term damage or should I just power through it? So that was almost the hardest part about it was kind of like thinking about that and, you know, just hoping that I wasn't going to do some long-term damage and actually get injured from this. For Um, sure. And I know Marie said that like for her, it wasn't feasible to do the whole thing. So she did as many miles per day as she could. What was your, did you finish all of them or what did you ultimately decide? I did finish all of them. Um, I 
I set out to finish all of them. I, I kind of wanted to be like, you know what? I want to prove to myself that I can do this and I can mm-hmm. um, power through. And um, yeah, I think it was, it was, I can't remember if it was day five or day six. I came into our last little aid station that was um, five miles before the, the finish of that day. And I was bawling my eyes out and I told everyone, all the other girls that I was, I was quitting at the aid station. I, I needed a day off. Like this was the end of um, doing the whole thing for me. And one of the girls, Paige, ended up staying back with me and just like basically walked the last bit with me. So I got through that day. And then after that, it was just basically like waking up every morning and just deciding, okay, like I'm just going to start this day, get to the first aid station and then try and get to the second one and stuff like that. And I ended up making it. I'm not really sure how, but um, (laughs) my my body pulled through for me. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. And I think, I mean, 11 days is so long. And so the middle of days, almost no matter what, it's just like impossible not to let part of your brain know that you're only halfway. Right. Well, and so I kind of had this, I had analyzed a lot of our, our runs on, um, or the routes beforehand. And so I kind of knew that day seven, um, eight and nine, Actually, day six, seven, eight, and nine were going to be brutal because they were getting on the trail. They were, um, all of them were over 6,000 feet of um, climbing, and all most of them were over like 31 miles, too. So I want to say day seven was like 38 miles and like 9,000 feet of vert or something crazy. So I, it was also just like, you know, preparing for those really, really hard and long days. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of knowing that, that that was going to be kind of the, the hump that we had to get over. And then hopefully, you know, 10 and 11, you can just, just suffer through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We always say it's just like the escalator to the finish by that point. Yep. right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what about your feet? How did they hold up? Did you tape them or? Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit. I lost a toenail, my big mm-hmm. toenail. Um, it started to get very swollen on like, I think it was day eight or something. Um, but honestly, my, my feet were fine besides just kind of the little aches and pains that you feel from running a lot of miles. Um, that's, yeah, it was that's mostly, awesome. You're very lucky for that. A lot of people oh, yeah. do like multi-day events. It's just their feet are is almost the one thing that will stop people. Right, right. Yeah, so I was lucky for that. And it ended up being mostly my my hamstrings and my quads that were just extremely tight. Like I could, it was just sad to see me going downstairs or upstairs. But um, um, then my, um, on day nine, my knees started to swell a little bit, but they weren't super painful. They were just kind of swollen, which is weird. And then it like, it was only swollen for like a day and then it went away. So I, I think weirdly my body got used to the mileage and was in, once I set my mind to it, it was like, okay, we can, we can get through. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Actually. There was, we had a guest that ran, uh, 95 consecutive marathons and she said the same thing where she just sort of got fitter in it somewhere. Like your body is so amazing at how fast it adapts. Yeah. It's crazy. So other than those 
couple of days and that overwhelming few moments at that aid station, what do you think was the biggest challenge mentally through this? Um, there were, I wouldn't say this is the biggest challenge, but this definitely was a challenge. I think for the whole team, just because there were six of us with different paces, different running backgrounds. Some of us didn't have trail backgrounds. Some of us were only road runners. Like it was a, a little bit difficult to navigate, you know, how to, to do this together and how to encourage each other that the way, the way we want to be encouraged and, and push ourselves, but not push each other too hard. Um, so that was definitely interesting trying like figuring out how to navigate it as a team. And, um, you know, oftentimes we'd break off into twos just to, you know, people that were going similar paces on that day. Um, so that was a, that was a challenge, but I think we did a really good job in, um, in navigating that and, and just having to communicate with each other and listen to each other. Um, but so that was a little bit difficult. Um, other than that, I think there was one, there was one day, um, (laughs) this was probably a low moment for a lot of us, actually. There was one day that we missed an aid station. Basically, uh, there was an aid station that the the car wasn't able to get to. And we were on the Appalachian Trail and there was no no place for the car to get to us for like 15 miles or something. So oh, we no. all ran out. Yeah, there were four of us together. It was Andrea, Manon, Paige, and I. Oh, wait, maybe that was just, it was Manon, Andrea, and I, and um, we had one crew member with us, and we're just trying to figure out how we can (laughs) get to the next aid station um, without drinking very much water and without eating very much food. And at this point, like, that's the most important thing. Like, it's a a eating and drinking contest at this point. Like, you just need to, you have to stay up on that or you're never going to finish. So. That was definitely a, a very brutal moment for for a lot of us, just trying to power through <laughs> without food and water for a little while. <laughs> I can't even imagine like that feeling of bonking and then also being 15 miles out is so far. And if you're not familiar with the terrain and you don't know like, oh, yeah, there's a creek eventually, um, it can be kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. And luckily it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a huge amount of time or anything, but after you know, seven days of, of running for that long, it seemed like eternity to get to that next aid station, you know? Um, everybody that listens to this podcast is like, yes. Like even if it's (laughs) one mile and you think like, you know, in a race where they're like, yeah, aid stations at mile like 82 or something. And then you get there, but it's actually at 84. Like, and when you just keep checking the watch and yeah, you're like, what? Yeah. That was, that was tough for sure. Yeah. Also they do that with finish lines and you're like, I swear to God, this thing's supposed to be over. Yeah. Sheesh. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I was kind of thinking would be the hardest. And we've talked to people who kind of specialize in FKTs as well and partnerships. And even if you're going to do one day event of eight to 10 hours, for example, or something, you have to pick somebody who you're going to be able to deal with when you're at your absolute lowest and who also is going to be able to deal with you and that yeah. complement each other and you guys didn't get to choose. So that's just so fatiguing to sort of adjust to keep everybody else in a good place too. Like the whole, that's very complicated. 
Yeah. I think that was actually my, my biggest concern going into it is, you know, a couple of days before leaving for this adventure, I was kind of like, well, crap, you know, did I just get myself into, you know, this, this huge long thing with girls? I have no idea. I don't know them at all. What if I don't get along with them? You know, this is like, this could be one of the most frustrating things in the world. Um, but honestly, the, I couldn't have asked for a, a better group of, of women. We all got along extremely well. Obviously we did see each other at our lowest and at our highest. And that's kind of one of the, one of the things I always say why I like these big adventures and these long, long adventures is uh, when you go through low moments and high moments with the, with people, then you get really close and um, it, it becomes very special. So I honestly think that that a lot of uh, a lot of us will stay stay lifelong friends, even though we only spent um, you know twelve days together. On one hand, it's to- a completely random group, but on the other hand, to the willingness to go out and do this would be something that you would bond over. Like you have to be somewhat similar to think that this is a good idea, right? <laughs> I just want to take a quick second to thank today's sponsor. Athletic Greens. So I've been taking AG1 since the summer and I am absolutely loving it. Most of all because it tastes good and it is easy. So I needed something to kind of boost energy, immune system, and gut health. And I did not want to take a bunch of pills and vitamins. I wanted a single supplement that actually tastes great and AG1 has fit the bill. So as you guys know, I take it in the morning. I take it with a cold glass of water or in my smoothies. And I feel really confident knowing I'm getting daily nutrients and long-term gut health. It's way more than just greens. It is all of your multivitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics working together as one. And that is the biggest key part. It's also really improved my gut health, which is so important for long distance runners. I've actually had the easiest time this fall training, especially on road where it's extra pounding with my gut health, taking in nutrition, and then also just not having digestive upset. And I almost thought I was never going to get there. So that has been very, very exciting for me. So if you would like to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com backslash TRW. That's athleticgreens.com dot com backslash trw to check it out we we all bonded extremely well um and it also was nice like because we did kind of break into groups sometimes you know we got some like one-on-one time with each other and i think that that was also important um you know being able to just talk to one person and explain how you're feeling without you know bringing the whole group down or anything so um yeah, we we bonded really well and um, are very close because of it now. So, so what was it like when you saw the finish? Like, were were you through in the middle of the city? Did people know what was going on? What was the finish line? Like? <laughs> uh, finish line was pretty funny, actually. I think um, it's funny. Paige and I kind of mentioned that that the finish was almost almost one of the most frustrating parts um, oh, no. of the adventure because we were going through, like we went through Central Park. We, we arrive in New York City and we go through Central Park and then we're, you know, like, I don't know, a couple miles from the finish. We're finishing at the Paragon Sports and um, 
we're going through Times Square. There's just tons of people having to stop at every road. And like, obviously, we just want to be done. Um, and it definitely it was cool to kind of soak it in. Like we were in the city, like we were, we had arrived. But then it was also like, okay, we have, you know, three more kilometers and this many blocks. And it, it took us like, like an hour to get a couple blocks, it felt like. So um, it was kind of frustrating. But also then when we like actually saw the finish, they had the, you know, finish line tape. And we had a group of people that had met at the Paragon Sports to, to welcome us in. Like um, it, that moment was very magical once we had gotten through the crowds of people. but. Um, yeah, that moment was magical. The the two miles before that were honestly a little bit frustrating. <laughs> Can you imagine the people just walking the streets too? Like, what is going on with these, yeah, these people? Like, what, a long way. what the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> you guys smell bad, and you're just like dodging cars and people. It was it was quite a scene, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, like just straight out of the wilderness into the middle of the city. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. And okay, so let's get into a bit more of how much you actually had to eat during and after talk us through how many calories uh per hour if you know you were averaging and then what kind of food were you eating at night my biggest fear is going on this because they talk about the cruise and staying in rvs and stuff is there not being enough food like that makes me anxious even <laughs> thinking about it. yeah um well so typically um my kind of learned this from my dad is has is a big endurance athlete and he kind of taught me that um you know you want to have 200 to 300 calories an hour if you're doing a big adventure like this so um going into it i kind of set my goals to where every hour uh like on the hour i would eat a bar or something i had and i would try and finish um both of my soft flasks by the time I got to the next aid station. So I tried to get through all of my water and eat on, on the hour, every hour. So, um, I, I, I think I did probably have 200 calories an hour. Um, it went from, you know, I was having a lot of M&Ms and Oreos and, uh, a lot of candy, just basically anything that I could get my hands on that was just calorie dense. Um, I was eating <laughs> and then, Luckily, the obviously the the crew was great. They would stop at grocery stores, make sure we had everything that we wanted and needed. Um, and afterwards, basically, it was just trying to shove as much food in my body as as possible so that I could just wake up feeling recovered for the next day. Um, and then uh, with hydration, I w- I would basically try and just like finish every time I had a water bottle. I would just try and and finish it (laughs) Um, and had some like electrolyte pills as well. And would try and have one of those like, um, you know, twice a day or something just to make sure I was, I was keeping up on that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. We always say 200, 300 calories an hour, but yeah, it's actually really hard to do. So the fact that you were able to get that down consistently day after day is really good. Yeah, I definitely I've I've learned from my mistakes. Uh like earlier earlier this summer I had a 50k race that I couldn't eat any food. I just couldn't get it down and um had the worst bonk of my life that I just like I I can't do that again. So going into it I was like, okay, I'm just no matter what it is, I'm going to get the the calories every hour and, you know, in in the end that will be 
the sole reason that I finished this thing is just fueling myself properly. Yes, for sure. And to know that at 23 is going to set you up for a pretty awesome career because I <laughs> promise you there's people in their late 30s who are still like, okay, maybe yeah. if I eat more, but it's hard. It is really hard. And just just finding the things that that work for you too is hard. Um, yeah. I yeah, I definitely in some races before this, I, I was having a lot of trouble getting food down and everything. And um, by day 11, Paige and I were both eating like those little applesauce pouches and like baby food pouches because that was yeah. the only things that we could get down. So like, I knew I had to do it, but then you just got to find ways to do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I can remember just trying to basically like shot, take shots of gummy bears because they're slippery and that's like yeah. the only, <laughs> only thing I could get down. Yeah. So especially coming straight out of a college track career, was there any mental side to eating that much that was hard? And I say that because I've had quite a few guests who talk about in college kind of being pressured to try to lose weight, to be faster, to run or something, uh, and then battling for a long time to realize that that's not true and that they need to fuel to have the energy to do these things. Uh, yeah. Was that a struggle uh, at all? Yeah, honestly, yes. I think um, in in college, it was definitely kind of a, um, I, I think for all, especially female distance runners, it's always something that you're thinking about where you're like, oh, if I'm a little bit lighter, I could go this much faster. Um, but soon enough, you realize that that's not sustainable. And um, especially when I did start to get into doing some longer things this last summer, I quickly realized that um, you know, like bonking really hard and feeling like I'm going to collapse on the ground is not something I want to do to my body. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely, definitely a, a mind, mind shift for sure. Had to really realize that, um, you know, you, you just need to have food. You're that, it, that food is fuel for going long distances. And I'd much rather finish something, um, and overfuel then not finish something and because I didn't eat enough. So um, I do think I kind of went into it where I was like, you know what, if I can overfuel and give myself, give my body more food than it needs, then that's a win right there. So um, I think that that's, that's the mentality I went into it with. And I'm really glad I did because I think, you know, just recovery is harder when you're not fueling your body correctly. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was, definitely a shift from, from the track mentality, but, um, you, I would not have been able to do 11 days of, of 31 miles if I, you know, was eating the minimal amount. Yeah, exactly. But I think you, I was going to ask if you had any advice for people who are struggling with it, but I think you sort of already gave it, which is to think about what it does for you, not trying to fight it. Do you know what I mean? Like right. think, yeah. think about the recovery and the performance side of it and realizing like that is it's as important as the training if you want to do well and that's the ultimate goal. It's sad to me um, seeing how many girls struggle with eating and fueling their bodies. Um, I had, you know, I unfortunately have seen so many girls go through this in college and, um, you know, it's it's heartbreaking when you're trying to pull like pull your or or pour yourself into a sport and try and you know get be a winner and and get better times and things like that and then you're just 
not eating enough and he can't get there. So um, I think it's something that that everyone has to realize eventually that it's not going to help you in the long run and it's it's not worth it. Um, and you just you just got to realize that you know food food is your friend and food is your your fuel to do amazing things. So just treat it as your friend and then you'll you'll go on to to break records and and run many miles. Well, that is such amazing advice and so awesome to have again, somebody of your kind of skill level and age to be the spokesperson because women who are just getting out of university or even in it can still relate to you so much more, you know, than, yeah. than people just saying like, oh, you got to trust me. Uh, but when they can see somebody proving it firsthand and doing these amazing things, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, like I, I went through my, my own struggles in college and um, when it came to, to fueling my body, because it is this like this weird culture of, of seeing other girls that, you know, are a little bit lighter than you and they're faster than you. And is that why they're faster than you? And, you know, I, I definitely went through some mental battles myself. And I think that, um, I, I came out of it on the the good side of realizing that that wasn't going to make me happier in the end. And that wasn't going to help me get the times I wanted. Um, but yeah, I just hope that, that, girls can can realize that and um and treat it as their as their friend did you have a moment of realization that you came to it on your own or did you read something or did or how were you um how did you come to kind of understand that so well um I think I had some friends uh and teammates that that struggled a little bit more than I did and so I, I feel like that prompted a little bit of reflection and kind of realizing that, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, go deeper into this and, and, you know, screw my body up. Um, but I do think going in, so my junior year kind of had some issues. I, um, I think a lot of my teammates and, and just people that I knew struggled quite a bit, um, and then going into senior year, I think I, I kind of realized that, um, you know, after college, there's more and your body is, is your life. So if you don't take care of it, then, um, you know, you're going to have a lot of problems in, in the, uh, in the long term, and it's not worth it for a fast time in the, in the short, in the short term. Yeah, exactly. That realization that, and I had a, a guest on that was saying that too that running really can be a lifelong sport if your relationship yeah. with it can stay positive. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get bi- a bit more into kind of your personal running goals, but tell me what the recovery from this epic adventure was like. How many days did you have to just sort of lay on the couch? Yeah. Um, honestly, I rec- I kind of surprised myself a little bit because I felt like I recovered um, pretty well. Like the I was definitely just tired. I, I feel like my body was just, um, you know, tired, needed sleep. I was kind of grumpy for a couple of weeks, but, um, and obviously pretty sore, but after like two weeks of, of really laying low and not doing anything, then, um, I was kind of ready to, to start, you know, going on walks or short runs and trying to get my body to move again. But, um, definitely had to not do a thing for, for two weeks. 
Yeah, that's fair for sure. And sometimes it's hard because you start to get like antsy, but if you're not really careful, then you can kind of set yourself back too. Yeah. And I definitely felt, um, I didn't, I don't think I've ever felt like a normal runner, the normal Liz for like a month, but I definitely like wanted to exercise and do some things, but I don't feel like I was fully back to actually want like actually being able to exercise like I normally do until a full month later. Yeah, that makes sense. So going into this, you talk about how it's about 31 miles per day. What was your <laughs> longest run or your longest back-to-back run that you did in training? Um, let's see. Honestly, I, I never really did super long back-to-back um, runs. I was running between like 60 and 80 miles in college every week. Um, so I had a, had a large mileage background there and a good base from doing that. Um, and then this last summer when I was kind of transitioning to doing more races, um, like 50 Ks, then I was doing some longer days for sure. Um, and then I did the Wonderland trail. I know you're from the Pacific Northwest, so I'm sure you're familiar with that around Mount Rainier in let's see, that was, I think, end of July. Um, so that was a, almost 100 miles. So I felt like that was kind of also a good, you know, mileage boost that I got there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, de- definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my, the, my longest and, um, you know, in a short amount of time. But I, I was trying to stay between, you know, like hover around 60 miles a week um, with some like one longer run in there too. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds perfect. And I mean, it's not like you had a whole summer to to really know what was going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. I had no idea. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I got to ask, I was looking at your Instagram before what happened in the most recent race you're in. Um, so (laughs) I was, it was in Costa Rica. Um, I was actually living in Costa Rica for the last four months, but I just got back to Colorado. Um, but yeah, first international race, I was, uh, I think within the first 5k, I went off course. Some of the tape went down and all of a sudden I, I thought that, so I had the course on my watch and I was like, okay, it looks like the course is right next to me. I can, um, like, I think I just took a a slightly wrong turn right here. So I backtracked a little bit, thought I found the the course again, and I started running on it. And then all of a sudden I see the leaders coming the opposite way. (laughs) And, uh, I was super confused and I was like, Oh no. Cause I, I knew that they did like a small loop before going out on a, on a bigger loop. Um, so I just completely missed the loop and quickly realized that I wouldn't really be able to go back and find it unless I, I I was just really confused. So I just kind of turned around and told them at the aid station that I went the wrong way. And apparently, um, a lot of people went the wrong way, but yeah, I was disqualified, which was kind of a bummer, but it was still a cool experience. Yeah. That's, that's so disappointing, but obviously like if they had to disqualify you, it was like, it wasn't going to end up working out anyways. Yeah. And, um, I, I mean, I still finished it because obviously we, we traveled a lot for it and um, it was just a cool race to see. But what, what was the distance? Um, it was 66K. So I think it was a little bit over and it ended up being a little bit over 40 miles. Pretty fun in that neck of the woods though too, hey? Like that would just be beautiful. 
Oh, it was really cool and just so different than anything I had done because I've mostly just done races in in Colorado. Um, so, yeah, it was it was actually um, a lot of climbing because it was just like a lot of just hills and stuff. Um, and then we went through like a lot of uh, cow fields. We went under like five barbed wire fences. It was like it was such an adventure. It was it was pretty fun. What part of Costa Rica was it in? It was in Monteverde, um, so like up in the the cloud forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. Um, so, what are your goals moving forward in the future with trail running? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have goals, but I also am kind of in this <laughs> stage where I'm I'm in a little bit of discovery mode, where I'm like, okay, what can I do? What distances do I like? You know kind of like trying out all of these things. So, um, I've signed up for a lot of competitive races in the, in the U S for this next summer. Um, I would like to do a hundred miler in a couple of years. I'm not really in a, in a rush to, um, race that right away and, and train for that quite honestly. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd eventually like to, do one of those competitive European races. Um, obviously the UTMB or, or I was thinking about doing the TDS race this year. Um, not really sure if it's going to work out, but just kind of, um, just going to see this summer if I can really compete with the, with the big dogs. Yeah, that sounds super fun. And there's, like you said, there's so much time. You don't have to be in a ration you learn so much about doing these epic adventures, but this 11 days with Falke obviously is just going to give you such a good leg up on like learning what you need to feel good and perform well. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to, um, I think that this is just because I came from the, the track background and, um, feeling like I was almost overly committed to running right now. I'm just trying to keep it fun and do, do what I like and just go climb a mountain if I, if I feel like it. And, um, so as long as I kind of like can keep it fun and everything, then, then I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. Yeah. I think that's key. I think that's that's what all the smart people say anyway. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you last couple of questions, um, what is your least favorite distance to race? Um, well, now that I've gone to the the ultra side, running a mile sounds terrible. <laughs> and anything short distance that requires me to go all out uh, just sounds really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I, I like I'm I'm a good runner, but I'm not very fast anymore. I can't like I you know now that I'm doing these longer distances, I don't. I just don't feel like I can run very fast anymore. So, um, that's what happens. Ultra running gives you one pace and that's yeah, exactly. the only pace that you go. You can just exactly. go for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but right now, um, right now my, my favorite is the 50 K, but I am going to try a 26 K this summer. Um, which by no means is that fast, but it feels fast compared to a 50 K. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And you should mix it up too and come do one in like Canada in the rugged terrain too, because it's so fun to have something like just totally bananas. Yeah, I was, I was looking into some Canadian races. So, um, who knows that'll, that'll maybe in the, be in the future as well. 
Awesome. Okay, last question. If you could describe this adventure from Boston to New York in three words, what would they be? Um, oh, man, let me think. It's a hard one. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, most of, most of my memories come from... Uh, all of the meals that we had and stopping at the aid station. So I'm going to say eating good food. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> okay. If our listeners want to find more of you, do you have an Instagram or anything like that? I do. It's liz.c.hogan. Okay, sweet. Well, I will link to that in the show notes and thank you so much. And huge congrats again on this. It's such a amazing accomplishment and I think you're going to do some amazing things in your running. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.